DeSantis destroys the left. Oh, man, sending these migrants up to Martha's Vineyard, maybe even Wilmington, Delaware, Joe's house. It's brilliant. It's necessary. It's good policy and good politics. I love it. The guy is totally on fire. He's totally right. When Biden is flying these people all over the fruited plain in the middle of the night, I didn't hear a peep out of those people. Okay, I didn't hear a peep. I haven't heard a peep about all the people that have been told by Biden, you can just come in and they're going, they're being abused by the cartels. They're drowning in the Rio Grande. You had 50 that died in some shed in Texas. I heard no outrage about any of that. Uh, I haven't heard outrage about all the fentanyl that's come across the border that's killing Americans in record numbers. I don't hear, I don't hear outrage about the criminal aliens that have gotten through and have then victimized people, not only in Florida, but all throughout the country. I didn't hear any outrage about that. The only thing I hear them getting upset about is you have 50 that end up in Martha's Vineyard. Then they get really upset. <laughs> He's totally right on every count. All right. You know, that was in response. Somebody said Hakeem Jeffries, a member of Congress, called him a human trafficker. More on him in a moment. But everything he said was right. Number one, Biden has been sending migrants all over the country in the middle of the night. A lot of them have been landing uh, right outside of New York City in the middle of the night. Total lack of accountability to the press, to the public. They were sneaking them. They are sneaking them all over the country. What Mr. DeSantis is doing is, well, it's above board. It really is. It may be infuriating the left, but why didn't these incidents infuriate the left? Okay, let's go through some of them. You may never have heard of this, but it actually happened not long ago. Did you know on September 3rd, 13 migrants died trying to cross the Rio Grande? This happens all the time. Two children drowned in the Rio Grande River, August 24th. Uh, July 24th, 17 migrants dead found in the water by Bahamas trying to get to the United States. June 28th, 2022, 51 migrants abandoned in a truck. Remember that? Some of them children dead, dead. How about 55 migrants just near the border, uh, Texas? They died in a horrible truck crash. They were all jammed in the back. Any, any outrage, any mention of these matters? August 4th, 10 migrants dead in a truck smuggling crash. Again, this happens all the time. It's so unbelievably routine. How about the drugs? In Del Rio, Texas, this month, $11.9 million worth of methamphetamine seized. Uh, July 15th in California, 100 pounds of fentanyl pills. 100 pounds? That could, uh, that could supply uh, half of California for about a week. Uh, overdose deaths in 2021, by the way, uh, up 15% over 2020. And don't forget our... Brave men and women in uniform, some have died, some heroically. Bishop Evans, a specialist in the Texas Air National Guard, he drowned during a rescue attempt. So these things are happening all the time, and nobody cared. Nobody really cared whatsoever until they showed up at that beautiful neighborhood in the where I've never been to Martha's Vineyard. Is it that great? It doesn't it sounds like a real pain in the neck to get to. I don't want to go. But Hakeem Jeffries, and they love this guy, Hakeem, 
he could be Speaker of the House someday if the Democrats ever pull it off and Nancy leaves. Listen to his ugly, ugly language. Well, the behavior of individuals like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott is radical, reckless, regressive, and reprehensible. They should start behaving like governors and stop behaving like human traffickers. They are putting politics over people in the most egregious way possible. Wrong. This was reprehensible. That crash where 50 people died, migrants in the back. You get it? All right. This is reprehensible. This is uh, egregious, you might say. Hey, what is so terrible about what DeSantis and Abbott and others are doing? Have you seen how they're kind of ferrying these uh, folks around in nice coach buses? These are there's nothing wrong with this. This is they're air conditioned. These are beautiful private planes chartered by state governments. There's nothing wrong with this. You want to talk about egregious? You want to talk about reprehensible? Talk to your party leader, Joe Biden, and all that nonsense he said for two years straight, trying to suck up to the woke left, urging all those poor people south of the border to come the moment he's president. What I would do as president is several more things, because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Yeah. Governor DeSantis, you are so right, and he is so wrong. You nailed it. President Biden is responsible for this. And for whatever reason, our corrupt, warped society lets him off the hook. It's really crazy. Uh, have you seen the media in Delaware, by the way? This is the story of the century, that a handful of migrants might be showing up in the president's hometown. There they are. That's about 10 times more media than you'll find down at the, uh, at the Rio Grande. Isn't that kind of amazing? So Joe has finally, finally been forced to offer an explanation. He, he's indignant about the whole matter, but listen to this. Under your watch, Mr. President. Because there are three countries that are never have there are fewer there are fewer immigrants coming from Central America and from Mexico. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. You could send them back and have them away. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. But that's the difference. Thank you. He's making stuff up. <laughs> and regarding uh, the numbers, news coming from where? George W. Bush might say that's, uh, that's fuzzy math. He's indignant that he has to take questions, really. And how about going to your home state, that beautiful jewel of Delaware? Is it supposed to be funny? What is it? Is it damn you? Is it, is it a genuine welcome? Nobody knows. Uh, maybe this is a case for Kamala Harris. Should she be dispatched once again? Remember how helpful she was on this whole border issue, which is, you know, her big responsibility, by the way. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. 
do not come. There. Can you believe it didn't work? <laughs> do not come. Democrats are having too much fun with this. They want the votes. They want the, the globalists, want the free labor. And some small-time politicians want the airtime. We have a big problem, a big clown in charge, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. This guy, on, in his own limited brain, has never had it so good because he gets to go on all these TV shows, wear his uh, favorite tie, and talk about, well, pump up the volume. It's just pretty much gibberish out to the El Paso uh, mayor, as well as our team attempted to reach out to Governor Abbott. Uh, they refused to do any form of coordination. They think the politics of treating people in a humane uh, manner to cover up, I believe, what they have done around human rights, yeah. the erosion of it for. These All right. He's, he's upset that Governor Abbott didn't call him on the phone. Call Governor Abbott on the phone. They don't know what they're doing. He likes to be on TV. That's it. <laughs> In way over his head. This is what this guy's passionate about. Clothes, clubs, and pay. Money. Take a look. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. We deserve more money. We deserve to be paid for the job we're doing. Senator Adams. I believe you've made your point in the two minutes. How do you vote? I deserve a raise. These are not serious people, okay? They're just not. They just love TV. What does he say? It's all about the money. I deserve a raise. Well, no, you don't. No, you didn't. And uh, knock yourself out. Have fun in the limelight. People like Governor DeSantis, however, will roll up their sleeves and really try to bring national healthy attention to this unnecessary trauma that is totally self-inflicted by the Biden administration. Hey, I like DeSantis a lot, by the way. Not in 2024, all right? He's not ready yet. He will be. 2028, 2032, he's only going to be. He's only 43 or 44 years old. And let's face it, he's copying President Trump, okay? This idea, by the way, of sending the uh, migrants up uh, to Martha's Vineyard and elsewhere might have come from Trump. But look at the mannerisms, okay? He's been studying the guy very, very closely. Hey, why not? It worked for Trump. He's the most effective communicator possibly in the history of the planet. All right, stay with us. That crazy axe man is out of jail. And you know what he's doing? He's going shopping. He's actually going food shopping and meeting people all over the neighborhood. And you know, he doesn't wear a shirt when he shops. I guess that's okay. Not in all stores. No shirt, no shoes, no service. Remember that. But anyway, the axe man is out and about. We'll be right back. We have a totally inept Democrat governor. She must go. She is so terrible, mildly interested at best in affairs of governance. Not at all. She's all about contributions, doing favors for donors. This matter with the crazy axe man who uh, chopped up a McDonald's this weekend. It doesn't uh, it doesn't get her uh, going somehow. Take a look at what he did. Oh. 
Okay, he terrorized everybody in the store. Police detained him for, what, 15 minutes? And he's on the streets giving interviews and going shopping, inviting the reporters along for a shopping spree. Here he is buying some dog food uh, at the grocery store. And there he is on his way home. His name is Michael Palacios. He's 31 years old. And he thinks he had every reason to uh, swing that axe around. Kathy Hochul, the governor, she should be in total emergency mode right now. A district attorney, a crazy woke district attorney is encouraging this kind of stuff. She is uh, kind of maybe a little bit interested into what they were thinking. There's many players in a criminal justice system, starting with the arresting officers who determine what charge to bring, as well as a district attorney who will decide whether or not to stay with that course or to have an upcharge from what is recommended. And so we need to all work together. We're actually asking what the thought process was in the decisions that were just made because we have a question about it. An important part is the arresting officers, police department, district attorneys charging, and the judges doing the right thing as well. That's when we can all work together. Did you ever take a field trip to the courthouse when you were in fourth grade? This is the kind of person that you talk to, right? She comes and she briefs you all on what we do here at the courthouse and we all work together. Uh, this is the kind of, I, I, she's like a tour guide at the courthouse. Uh, let me tell you what's on the mind of the key players. Alvin Bragg, the district attorney, wants to destroy America, okay? He is funded by George Soros. He doesn't believe resisting arrest is a crime. The man is insane. And the governor has the ability to fire this individual and won't exercise it because she's afraid of antagonizing the woke left. Here's the man who was promised on day one to fire this man. Uh, his name is Congressman Zeldin. He's running for governor. He's a Republican and uh, he's a great guy. And a lot of people are pulling for him. We're going to meet his running mate coming up in a little bit. Governor's uh, Congressman Zeldin has been on the show plenty of times, and, uh, well, we wish him luck. No formal endorsement, of course. We don't do that, but, uh, man, New York could use some sanity. We have not had a Republican take the governorship away from a Democrat since 1994 in this state. Isn't that amazing? Meanwhile, Fox News, Fox News, Fox News, thanks for nothing. Thank you, guys. Good morning. Nine o'clock in New York. And we've got brand new power news, uh, power rankings from Fox News. Republicans said to be in real good position for the midterms. But for the first time now, Democrats might have a path, might have a path to keep the House, as we say good morning on this Tuesday. Might have a path to keep the House. I have never heard of such a path. I've never seen such a path. And if I did, I would probably be actively fighting that path. But this is Fox News. Nice people. But uh, these are the people who told us Arizona was called when it should not have been called. All right. <laughs> yes. Actually, the same people. Indeed. Uh, yeah, Fox. Uh, they let us down big time. And Got some good things going, but most of the time they they just don't care. They just don't care that liberal plus chaos equals Biden. Oh, yes, it does. This is our little mnemonic device for remembering all the reasons why Joe Biden, how he has ruined this country and why Republicans must take back the Congress in November. The A stands for Afghanistan. Okay. So many reasons. Afghanistan is a prime one. We lost Afghanistan and nobody seems to remember or care. I think the American people do. 
but mainstream media, nope, it was just on to the next thing. Okay, yeah, that happened on Saturday. What's going on on Tuesday? Something else? Um, Afghanistan led to Ukraine, okay? The, the Ukraine uh, debacle would not be happening if Afghanistan had not happened. And oh, by the way, if Donald Trump were still in power, like if Fox News had not called Arizona when they did, who knows? Maybe Trump would have remained in power and Putin would not have invaded because 62% of America believes that. All right. Also, something else to remember when it comes uh, to the election, the midterm election, the R... Uh, stands for racist. In liberal, it stands for racist. And yes, these are racist people. Joe, you ain't black Biden. Oh yeah, that's racist stuff. And so is his diversity, equity, and inclusion officer over at the Pentagon. This guy, Bishop Garrison is his name. He is the senior advisor to the U.S. Secretary of Defense on human capital and diversity equity and inclusion. Well, he never should have been hired. Okay. Look at some of the nonsense this guy has tweeted about half the country. All right. Silence from our congressional leaders is complicity. Support for him, a racist, is support for all his beliefs. Now he's talking about Donald Trump. Can you believe that? He's talking about Donald Trump. Half of the military probably supports Trump, probably more than half. What else has this guy said? The kind of stuff that if you said it on the other side, you'd be fired. Um, he's dragging a lot of bad actors, misogynists, extremists, racists out into the light. If you support the president, you support that. This is during President Trump's term in office. This is the guy who's supposed to determine what's What's appropriate? What's inappropriate? What else do we have here? White nationalism is now and will continue to be a major issue for the U.S. military until our leaders demonstrate the want, desire, and political will to address it head on. It's a phony, made-up thing. Okay, guy? Trump won't denounce white supremacy. It's that easy. Seriously, it's that easy. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, boy, this is the kind of person. He should be outside the Pentagon yelling his head off, protesting fine. He's a rabble-rouser. He's ignorant, and I think he's, quite frankly, a racist. Now he's the right-hand man of the Secretary of Defense. We have real problems, not white supremacy. We can't make our recruiting goals. No one wants to go to boot camp. Hey, going to boot camp, <laughs> going to boot camp under Ronald Reagan was tough. I actually went under Ronald Reagan my, my first time at OCS. That was hard. Now, where it's all woke... People inclined to join the military don't like this woke stuff. Every branch of the military is struggling to make their 2022 recruitment goals. Also, there's this. Only 9% of young eligible Americans have any inclination whatsoever to serve. That is way, way, way too low. And one of the reasons, <laughs> this guy. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. You've got other things to worry about, Mark. How about winning wars? And how about dropping some weight? You and a good chunk of the Army overweight. The Army is now reviewing its height and weight standards for the first time in decades because too many soldiers are too fat. Uh, it's not supposed to be this way. Not in uniform. I put on 20 pounds <laughs> the two months after I left the Marine Corps. But in the Marine Corps, you're not supposed to carry around this weight. Look at what the top enlisted guy in the Army is saying. Uh, officially now, we don't just need all the young fit soldiers. We actually need all shapes and sizes. Really? Do we? Since when? When do we need that? Does China allow this? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
And maybe Millie is pushing this because he can't hack the height and weight standards. Oh, yeah. Millie is too big to be wearing that uniform. You can suck it in all you want, Mark. It's not working. We can tell. All right. Coming up, reparations for slavery. You know who would really, if you really want to go there, you know who owes people money? The leaders of some nations in Africa. Yes, indeed. If you want to play the reparations game, we've got the historian for you. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? So a lot of discussion about reparations for slavery, right? And somehow the American government owes Mayo folks for what happened a couple of hundred years ago. That's a very superficial read of the situation, because if you really go back, uh, who was putting folks into slavery? Well, it turns out it was actually African kings were having them rounded up putting them on the beach and selling them to uh, Europeans. That's kind of how it started. I hadn't really considered it, but it's come to light amid the royal funeral. Uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, II died, right? And uh, very sad. But, you know, some people are really upset that the royal family is so rich and there's been growing calls for reparations from Britain for colonization. Look what happened on CNN the other night when they actually had a historian who knew what the heck was really going on. Those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and, uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth? Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when the slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In, In Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something, too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Wow, huh? (laughs) I don't think they'll bring bringing up uh, reparations anytime soon. That's Hillary Fordwich, an amazing historian. All right. You know what liberals love? Podcasts, all right? They love liberal woke podcasts. Now, Serial was one a couple of years ago. They couldn't stop talking about it. 
I was sucked into listening to it, and I got very, very furious. Okay, so this is Sarah Koenig, uh, you know, NPR's favorite liberal. I think she's at NPR. Anyway, she does the podcast. It's a, it's a true crime podcast, and it starts off pretty good, pretty interesting. So it's about this girl named Hay. She was in high school in 1999 in Maryland. She was killed, murdered, strangled, and authorities believe it was her boyfriend who did it, a guy named Syed, who was convicted of murder. So um, he was recently released from prison. His verdict was vacated in large part because of this podcast. Now, quite frankly, I know the guy's guilty. I'll get to that in a moment. But the liberal media, they think this is wonderful. The story is remarkable. This this twist now just as remarkable. How did this all happen? Yeah, it's absolutely stunning because Adnan Said has maintained his innocence for more than 20 years. A stunning development in the case of Anand Syed. Featured on the popular podcast Serial, he is getting a taste of freedom after 23 years behind bars. It's surreal, uh, but I can't wait. I can't wait for my children to meet un- their uncle Adnan, and I can't wait for the world to meet him. He's really an extraordinary, wonderful human being. Mm, I think he's a killer. I, re- I listened to that podcast uh, when it came out, like everybody else, a couple of years ago, and I'm listening to it. It's interesting. And then all of a sudden, he basically confesses. you got to listen very, very carefully. So let me see Hay and Adnan all the way back then. So their boyfriend-girlfriend, right? They're going out. They have cell phones, archaic, you know, old-timey cell phones, and they page each other a lot, right? Until she goes missing. He stops calling her. He stops paging her. And he says, well, I was looking for her like with everybody else, but all of the friends were calling her trying to, right, trying to find her. It comes up in the podcast. He's in jail at the time. Listen to what happens. Here's something that makes me pause, though. If you look at his cell records from that day forward, neither Hayes' home number nor her pager shows up again, which suggests he never tried to contact her after she went missing. They were supposedly such good friends. Hey's friend Aisha said she was paging her like crazy. Did you ever try to page her and just be like, like, you know, see if you could find her, raise her, see if you could get a response from her? Well, I know that we would always, I, I can't remember if I did page her or not, but we would always talk about it in school. I would always, like, get my information firsthand from, like, Aisha, who would usually be in contact with, uh, I mean, I, I, if I can remember, she was, like, in contact with Hayes' family. So it was kind of like I would always, if not Aisha or Krista or, or, or it, it, I mean, it wasn't like I was just sitting around, like not even thinking about her, you know, not paging her or whatever. But I used to always get my information from them firsthand. All right. Not paging her. He wasn't pa- there's rec- There's no record of him calling or paging her after she goes missing because he knows she ain't going to answer that page or telephone call. All right. Gets more interesting. Here it is. I know Krista was trying to page her. I know Aisha was trying to page her during this time to just be like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And I was wondering if you had were in that group of like, where are you? Will you ask me a question? I don't know. I'm just explaining why I'm asking the I'm explaining why I'm asking the question (laughs) is that it seems like from the relationship you had with her, you would have been one of those people saying, Hey, no, hey, 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 like, give, give, give a holler. Where are you okay? Co- what do they call it? Cognizance or consciousness of guilt? Okay. 
she wasn't going to answer the page. Hey, that interviewer, by the way, seems to be flirting with him a little bit, right? <laughs> I think she likes the guy. This whole thing is skewed very much in his favor. But this one moment buried in the 12-hour podcast, he doesn't have a good answer for this. No. No, I mean, I'm right alongside with them, though. It's not like they're in a whole... I mean, we're all seeing each other every day. We're talking about it. Yeah. It's not like, you know... I mean, it's not like I'm just sitting there, you know, like, whenever hey comes up in a conversation, I'm leaving, going to another side of the classroom or something like that. I mean, I'm just as involved as they are. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, you know... Uh, you know, yeah, I know you did it. You did it. And um, one of the reasons why this podcast was done and here he is getting out of jail, I do believe because he's Muslim, right? It's, it makes him somehow more sympathetic in the eyes of some people. To me, it doesn't make him more or less sympathetic. All right. I focused on the record and that moment is incredible. They all think he's innocent. I know he's guilty. We'll see what happens next. All right, stay with us. Hey, Dick Morris is coming up. Great guy. Uh, and he wrote this amazing book, The Return, Required Reading, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback. Be right back. It's one of the hottest books in the country, The Return, Trump's Big 2024 Comeback by the legendary presidential advisor, Dick Morris. Dick, congratulations on the book. Welcome back to the show. You know, I know in my heart he's running, but sometimes uh, in my head I'm like, uh-oh, uh, you know, is there any chance he's not running? What's the deal? He's totally running, he's running. right? He's running. I'm, I want to thank Del Arte Restaurant, where I am now. I stayed for dinner and stayed on. It's in Orangeburg, New York. Great food. Yeah, he's running. I spoke with him half an hour ago, and uh, he's definitely running. We talked about different states and his strategy. There's no doubt in his mind or my mind that he's running. Well, let me ask you this. If he runs, and I want him to run, I want him to win, I know that the left is going to go totally insane, and they'll probably indict him, won't they? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think that what's going to happen is that the special master will segregate the documents. But I don't think there's anything there. Uh, and I think that uh, after the Republicans win both houses, which they will in about six weeks, nobody's going to mess with him and indicting him. Justice isn't going to do that. And if they do, they'll find themselves defunded by the Congress. So uh, I think probably not. What's going to happen, though? is that the evidence that he sees from, I make this point in my book, the evidence he took from the White House to Mar-a-Lago is dangerous not for him, but for the FBI. Because, you know, it came out that the informant, uh, Dan Chenko, the Russian oligarch, who gave Steele all the information to his dossier, was on the FBI payroll, for God's sakes, for four years. They were paying him to lie about Trump. And Trump has the smoking gun about that in his documents. And the reason the FBI swooped in to pick him up was not so they could use him against Trump, but so that Trump couldn't use them against them. And I think what's going to happen after election when the Republicans take Congress is the mother of all investigations of the FBI. and going to blow that bureau sky high 
with the Mar-a-Lago documents as evidence. Totally wild. Totally wild. So your book is uh, amazing. I have it. I love it. And by the way, it is not being acknowledged by the New York Times bestseller list. Now, the New York Times bestseller list is, for a lot of reasons in book publishing, a very big deal. You got to get your book on that list. They're keeping Wait, you off it. Even pop music a lot. What you follow pop music a lot? Not really. Remember the song by Kept by Doctor Hook. Uh, I keep getting richer, but I can't get my picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Well, that's how I feel about the New York Times list. <laughs> so what's the deal? I mean, look, you sell a certain number of books. I think you're between seven and eight thousand. That's more yeah. than enough to qualify for that list. I yeah, mean, isn't it isn't it supposed so to be an objective list of the bestsellers? Acknowledge Donald Trump's existence. They would die rather than list a book entitled "The Return: Trump's Big 2024 Comeback" on their pages in the bestseller list. You know, when I die, they won't even list that in my obit. <laughs> well, if you want to sell a book, if you portray Trump as a monster, uh, it's right this way to the bestseller list. But uh, you are on the right side of history, of course. Can I ask you this? Listen, uh, I want to show you what happened in the McDonald's the other night here in um, in Manhattan. I mean, a guy goes on a rampage with an axe and you see all kinds of crazy stuff in New York City over the years, whatever. The craziest thing about this is what you're going to see next. The guy out on the street, less than a, like 15 minutes later, and here he is granting media interviews. I feel like this is one of those pivotal, like, uh, what, what do they call it? An inflection point. You know what I mean? Crime, we hate it. This is absurd. Do you think this has any legs nationally or am I overreacting? I do, but I think it's very interesting. I make the point again in my book. This is an issue for blue states. This is not a giveaway issue. This is a takeaway issue because we can go into Baltimore and into New York and into Philadelphia and into Pittsburgh and into Ohio and win votes in blue territories with this issue. This will help Zeldin defeat Hochul in New York uh, because basically the Democratic Party has endorsed crime. (laughs) No other way to put it. You know, they talk about decriminalizing pot. Well, they've decriminalized crime. And uh, voters are not standing it. You know, we all have our own strategies to protect against crime. Kids go to private schools. We never walk near the park. We don't go out at night. We have a big dog. Uh, But this breaks all strategies. You're just eating at McDonald's, for God's sakes. (laughs) Somebody comes along with a hatchet. And he was in jail, and now he's gone. No protection, no respite. Uh, And I think this is a big political issue. I think the Democrats will see the bottom fall out of them in the urban areas. Folks, take a look, please, at Dick Morris's book, The Return. It's the book the New York Times does not want you to read. All the more reason to read it. The Return, Trump's big 2024 comeback by Dick Morris, the legendary presidential advisor. All the best, sir. Many thanks. You take care, man. Okay, Thank we'll you. be right back. You bet. So that is Democrat governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul. She really shouldn't be the governor. Uh, Cuomo picked her as his lieutenant governor because she was so mediocre. You know what happened to Cuomo? Now, she's the governor, and she's totally at peace with the chaotic and violent crime that we see all over the place. Did you see the guy with the axe in the McDonald's? He went berserk. 
Go ahead and roll it. The, there he is, going nuts. This is New York. This is what it's like these days. Now, crazy things happen in the city. We know that. But this is probably the craziest. Right after this, he was back on the street giving interviews to uh, <laughs> various news crews. Oh, I didn't mean it. I was just, uh, well, whatever. He's out. He is free, and it's crazy. New Yorkers, though, have a real chance to change the governor. Right now, Congressman Lee Zeldin and his deputy, his candidate for lieutenant governor, Allison Esposito, a former cop, is, uh, well, she's on the ticket with uh, the congressman. And welcome, hopefully, future governor Allison Esposito. How are you? Hello. Good evening. How are you? Well, terrific. And quite frankly, I am dismayed and very concerned. You saw that scene. There's total pandemonium out there. They say they can't do anything until that law is changed. You are a professional law enforcement person. Can anything else be done to keep a guy like this off the streets? Oh, my God, it, Greg, it's, it's 101. The, the first thing that we need to do is hold criminals accountable for their actions. Right now, judges do not have the ability to look at a case and weigh dangerousness, flight risk, past criminal history, severity of the case when they are making their decision whether to set bail or remand or sentence. That is unacceptable. We have gone way too far. We must repeal cashless bail. We must hold criminals accountable for their actions. And we must give judges the discretion to weigh dangerousness uh, before just letting them back out onto the streets. We're letting violent repeat offenders back onto the street to reoffend and to re-victimize. Now, I was a New York City cop for almost 25 years, and we speak a lot of times in statistics, but each data point is a victim. And every time we're letting these people out to reoffend, it's more and more victims. It's unacceptable. All right. Now, you've talked about the law and the bail and the judge having the discretion. That's going to take changing the law. All right. And I hear everybody saying, well, our hands are tied because of this law. Let's be creative here. Is there anything that can be done in the meantime? I've heard of uh, upcharging. You know, the prosecutor goes in there and says, let's go for this. Or maybe the police can determine this guy is obviously a threat to himself and others on a mental level. Can we do something there? Or is this all about waiting until you guys change the law if you get in there. And oh, by the way, your running mate, Lee Zeldin, has promised to fire the district attorney, I believe, on day one, which is great. So that's true. Day one, uh, we campaign on this. This is the mandate that we're given when we're elected. Day one, we will turn to Alvin Bragg and say, you're fired. He is refusing to uphold his oath of office. He's failing to prosecute crimes. Now, as a district attorney, you don't get to choose which laws you will enforce. That's not the way it works. If you don't like the law, then he can quit being a district attorney and he can go out and he can go into the legislative branch and he can he can amend the laws wherever possible. But his job is to enforce the law and he's failing miserably with that. So he is fired day one and that will send a shockwave throughout the state of the rest of the DAs that want to maybe fill his shoes or step into the same category and not prosecute violent repeat offenders for the crimes that they are committing. Mm -hmm. Now, upcharging is not something that we would do as police officers, uh, but we do need to repeal cashless bail. 
Uh, the governor has said day one, and we will. There's no leadership in Albany right now. Um, yeah. Congressman and I have repeatedly called upon Governor Hochul to demand a special session to force that they get back to the, the drawing table and they, they come to a, a decision that's best for the people of the state of New York, and they are failing to do that. Um, by the way, I'm excited about you potentially becoming lieutenant governor because in the summer of 2020, when Kathy Hochul was lieutenant governor, everything was burning up. You know, Black Lives Matter. Take a look at this scene. It's like out of a, a Batman and Robin movie. This is just a few blocks from my house. It's just over the top. It's so cartoonishly violent and chaotic. It's crazy. It's not a movie. It actually happened in the midst of all this. Kathy Hochul, the lieutenant governor, said this was her job. Are you ready? I realize that my voice is not the important one right now. I'm here to listen and will use my platform to help promote other voices speaking up against systemic racism and injustice. Black Lives Matter. Um, you could very well be the lieutenant governor uh, in January, in the summer, if the state is engulfed with violence. And it could happen. Who knows why or who knows what could happen? But we could see it again what would your priority be? What would you do as lieutenant governor? What can you do? I know you have a boss, but what can you do? So I was in those riots. I was on the front lines. I was shoulder to shoulder with my men and women. Uh, it was at, at some points it felt like it was a, it was a scene out of a movie where we would we would uh, kind of charge and retreat and charge and retreat. We were just trying to quell the absolute violence. They were throwing cans and bricks at us. I got hit with a kitchen cabinet that came off a roof of a bus and it hit me square in the in the arm and in the head. I um, I actually had to cut the pants off of officers that were burning because they were throwing incendiary devices at us. We chased people down who threw Molotov cocktails into the van where my officers were. It was absolutely a scene out of a movie. And, and, we, and, we, and, and Kathy Hochul was listening. It was her job to listen. Listen, I'm sorry we're out of time, uh, but did you say you got a what thrown off of, at you at a, from a bus? What was it? Yeah, off of the roof, out, off a roof, uh, a kitchen cabinet was thrown off and hit me square. Listen, if my job is going to be the same job then as it will be when I'm lieutenant governor, and that's to protect those who cannot protect themselves. We love it. Good luck to you and uh, Congressman Zeldin. For more information, two things. You can go to ZeldinForNewYork.com, ZeldinForNewYork.com. They're raising money. Uh, that's always appreciated. Or at Esposito for New York on Twitter. We appreciate it so much. To be continued, good luck, and we'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Many, many thanks. Um, really appreciate the support. We'll see you tomorrow. All the best.